that God is sovereign, God is in control, and when you recognize that God is over things, then even the valleys that we walk through, even the times that we trip and fall, even the different things that we face that we don't like, that are not very comfortable, when you recognize God's sovereignty over things and you recognize that God has a plan and a purpose, God has a purpose for every pain, God has a purpose for every valley, and when you put that and get your doctrine in the correct order and recognize that God is in control, that God's got this, then that joy meter will go back to where it's supposed to and will read high. Too many Christians think that salvation is an achievement or an accomplishment, and too many Christians think, well, I'm saved, I've arrived, that's all there is to this. And what we're going to find today in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, is Paul's own biography about where he is and about what he does and about his character. And I hope that you'll recognize that no Christian, no Christian has arrived, so to speak. No Christian has achieved this level as if there were rungs on a ladder and you get to certain levels. There are denominations and religions that teach that, but the Bible does not. In fact, we have the most clear indication of that in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? We're going to read from verses 12 through 16 of Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Paul said, I'm not there yet. I have not arrived, but I press on. I strive. I'm not there yet. I keep going and I keep pressing. If Paul said that, knowing if you know anything about Paul, if Paul said, I'm not there yet, then who in here could say, I've arrived? Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. It cuts through all the, the distractions and it cuts through all the things that we sometimes make the Christian walk about. And it just gets right to the heart of the matter. And so today, you're going to speak to us through the reading of your word, through the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, today it's a privilege to be in your house. It is a blessing because where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst thereof. And we thank you for your presence because in your presence there is fullness of joy. Help each of us today to recognize whether our joy meter is on the high side or running on fumes. And once we recognize that, that we would better put the, the things that we're going through in perspective and recognize your sovereignty and your plan and purpose for each and everything that we face, therefore we'll recognize that our joy is not circumstantial. Our joy is based on Jesus. 
We thank you for that. Forgive us of our sins. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, this great evangelist, this great missionary, this great preacher, he started new churches. One of the churches that he started is the church in Philippi, which is the letter that we're reading in this sermon series, the letter of Philippians. This guy who, who writes 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, I, I believe that if, that if you write 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, you might know a thing or two. And, and you might know through experience, right? Well, he said, I've not arrived. I'm not there yet. Uh, and I think too many Christians treat our Christian walk like school. Something we Salvation is something we graduate from. Let me just share this with you. Christianity is called a walk for a reason. It's a continual process. It is not a, it is not a destination. Uh, you, you don't graduate. Uh, you don't get saved and then somehow graduate and that's all there is to it. No, what I want you to see is that Paul said, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. He knew that he needed to stay humble. He knew that he needed to stay teachable. I want you to think about that, teachable. Are you a teachable person? Just ask yourself that right there in the honesty of where you're sitting. Am I a teachable person? Because Paul, who taught a lot, who started a lot of churches, recognized that he needed to also be taught. He didn't always need to be the leader. He didn't always need to be the teacher. And he, he, uh, he understood that, that there's always going to be people that God puts in our lives that can teach us something. Now, some of the lessons you might not like learning. Amen. Some of the experiences you might not like going through. Amen. You might not like certain teachers. There were certain teachers that didn't like me. Can you believe that? Amen. I mean, gracious alive. They didn't like me. They'd write mean notes to my mom and let her know, he's such a bright kid, but... Now, how many of you know when you put that word in there, the race is everything you said. He just not apply himself. I said, Mama, they're wrong. I'm not bright. <laughs> I am applying myself. I am trying really hard. Mama, they're wrong. I'm not that bright. <laughs> Paul. Paul understood that he hadn't arrived. He understood that he's got to keep pressing on. And the idea there is that I need to keep learning. See, and, and that's where I think a lot of us get this thing messed up. Uh, so we've been a Christian for, let's just say, 20 years, right? And so we think, well, I, you know, I've heard the Bible preached. I've studied the Bible. I've read books. You know, and we somehow, we, 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 we stop right there. And, and I think that's a shame because Paul actually addressed that when he said, some of you are not as mature in the faith as you should be. Because they were looking at it from the same way. I've been a Christian for a long time. And yet they were not growing. They had not learned any more than they had back when they got converted. They had not learned anything more from when they were lost and they got saved. And he said, some of you are still on milk. You're like babies. You're still on that milk and you're not ready for the meat. As a Christian, whether you've been a Christian 20 years or 20 hours, you should continue learning you should continue studying. You should continue praying. This is not about an arrival at a destination and we're done. And so I just wonder if you're teachable. Um, sometimes as a preacher or as a, uh, as a deacon or as a Sunday school teacher, because we're always studying, we're always learning, 
uh, <clears throat> we forget that every time we open the Bible, ought not be, watch this, ought not be for a sermon or ought not be for a Sunday school lesson. Sometimes it ought to just be for you. Amen. And sometimes as a preacher, I've been guilty of simply opening my Bible for my next sermon instead of opening the Bible to hear from God direct. And if I confess that to you and I admit that to you, I bet there's two or three of us in here that would say, I'm there. So, stay teachable, stay humble. Paul, Paul understood that the key to pressing on is forgetting what is behind you. And this can really mess us up. Do you know what can mess up today? Yesterday's, watch this, yesterday's failures and yesterday's success. And it's interesting that both yesterday's failures and yesterday's success can mess up today. Because here's why. With either one of those, you're looking back. Instead of looking ahead. With either your successes, you know, I used to do that. I accomplished this. I went there. All past tense, you're still looking behind. And yet what God has ahead of you is greater. What God has ahead of you is bigger. But you're so focused on what you did yesterday, whether it's your successes or your failures. I think we recognize that failures can really hinder us today. You know, we can stumble and feel like, we didn't do what we were supposed to. And so that past keeps haunting us. Uh, that past keeps creeping in. Uh, I heard a politician one time say, I don't have skeletons in my closet. I have skeletons in my entire house. <laughs> he said, there's so many skeletons, I couldn't shove them all in the closet. They just poured out in the living room, the dining room, the kitchen. <clears throat> Sometimes our past can hinder. And I think we, we all appreciate that and understand it because we know people that have allowed their past failures to define them. They've allowed their past mess-ups to really mess up their current situation. And all the while, the enemy whispers in your ear, look who you were. Look what you did. Look what you've done. All of that is past tense. You ever thought about that? That's not who I am. That's not what I'm doing. And that's not who I'm going to be. Amen. The devil is a liar and he'll constantly remind you of your past. But I also think that for a lot of Christians, it's not just our failures that can hinder our today. It's the things that we used to do in the church. You know, I used to run the nursery. <laughs> I rocked every baby. I changed every diaper. And I just want to say, okay, yeah. <laughs> but the great theologian Janet Jackson one time said, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've literally talked to many Christians who feel like, well, I did that. I worked in the nursery. I taught Sunday school. I did that. And I appreciate your service. I really do. But you know, here's the thing about Christianity. It's not about uh, working for a certain number of years and then retiring. The last time I checked, Paul never retired. He just went home to be with the Lord. And, and I don't know why we treat it like, you know, what is what I used to do or I, I did my time. This isn't an Angola. <laughs> I did my time. I'm done. Don't be a rear view mirror driver. 
I've told you before that that rearview mirror is very small compared to your windshield. And yet so many people look at that rearview mirror and look at where they've already been instead of where they're going to. Rearview mirror driving can cause you a rut row racket. <laughs> rearview mirror driving can cause you to call the man with a hat or the man with a patch. <laughs> or the ticket one click it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to do something. <laughs> it's going to cause problems. You can't be focused on that rearview mirror of life. I'm not talking about driving, obviously. I'm talking about life. Um, when we found out my mom had cancer, the uh, doctor pulled me out of the room. He did not. They never told my mom how bad it was. And they pulled me out of the room, and I'm standing there in the hallway with Dr. Kaiser. And he said, uh, she's got about two weeks to live. I said, two weeks? So yeah, it's bad. Liver, lung, and bones. Well, there's nothing we can do. And my head just went down like that. And he said to me, he said, I'd like to share something with you if you don't mind. And I said, okay, I'm thinking it's about cancer. I'm thinking it's about research. I'm thinking it's about the medical field. He said, history is still a mystery. And the future cannot be known. But today is a gift from God. And that's why we call the now the present. And I stood there in that hallway of Highland Hospital. And I thought about that. History is a mystery. We think we know about history. But there's still things we don't know. And the future can't be known. And God has given us today, which is a present. And it's the present. And yet, a lot of times, we're looking in that rearview mirror. We, we're looking at where we've been. We're looking at what we've done. We're looking at the mistakes we've made. And all the while, God's saying, hey, press on. The only way you can press on is to look ahead. Press on. Move forward. Don't concentrate on that rearview mirror. Don't focus on where you've been. Look at where you're going. Look at what God is sending you to. Those Israelites throughout all the days of the wilderness... 40 years they spent and they complained and talked about Egypt where they had been instead of looking towards the promised land. And because they were so focused on Egypt, how many of you know that most of them died on their way to the promised land? It was only those who had the forward thinking. It was only those who had faith to know where we're going is better than where we've been. Listen to this. Listen to what I'm telling you right here, right now. If you don't hear anything else I say, where we're going is better than where we've been. Amen. Where you're going, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is better than where you've been. Now look, I've been some places. I'm a world traveler. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jamaica. I've been to the Caribbean. I have snorkeled in the Grand Cayman Islands. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But where I'm going is better than all the places I've been. Amen. You know I've been to Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. Woo! All right. But where I'm going is the land of grace in heaven. Amen. Where I'm going is better than where I've been. And I hope it's true for you. And I hope you have that peace and that no. Not, I think I'm going to heaven. Not, I can't cross my fingers anymore, but not that I hope I'm going to heaven. 
don't know when that happened to me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to snap one day. Is that something with age? One day I went, how do you cross your fingers? And you know another thing I can't do? I can barely hold up the number three with my thumb. That, that's my number three right there. But I used to could do this thing where you touched your... Anyway. <laughs> History's a mystery. And the future, it cannot be known. Today is a gift from God, and that's why we call the now the present. The Christian walk is about striving and pressing on and, and reaching forward. But Paul was a very blunt fella. He didn't have much of a filter. And he lets you know on the outside, hey, right here on the onset, this is not going to be a cakewalk. This, this walk is going to be uphill. It's going to be bumpy. Going to have some times where you're like, huh. Are we there yet? <laughs> going to be some times where you're frustrated about your walk. You're frustrated about what you've experienced. <coughs> being a Christian is hard. I heard a preacher one time say, Being a Christian is a tough job, but the retirement plan is to die for. <laughs> I like that. But it's actually the struggles of life that help us appreciate the journey. Just as a drought <laughs> helps you appreciate the rain, just as the heat gives us something to look forward to with the, the fall. <clears throat> Thomas Edison, great inventor, innovator. Thomas Edison, a lot of people don't know this, had a head injury when he was a child that affected his hearing. <laughs> and it caused him to have deafness in one of his ears. And a lot of people would say, that's unfortunate. A lot of people would say, oh, that's a tragedy. <clears throat> smart kid, smart guy, head injury, leading to deafness, struggled with hearing for his entire life. This is what Thomas Edison said about his struggle with deafness. He said it was a blessing. And somebody said, well, what do you mean by that, Mr. Edison? He said, because I didn't hear many of the things that distracted people. I could focus on my work. I could focus on my tasks. Because I didn't hear all the little things that you get distracted by and we get distracted by, Thomas Edison said that deafness helped him to focus on his tasks and that's why he led to having so many inventions and great innovations of the world. It allowed him to concentrate on his work. If the Apostle Paul, who was an evangelist, a church planner, a missionary preacher, if he didn't think he had arrived, why do we think we have? Why do we treat this, this walk like it's a destination, I'm done, I did this salvation thing, I got my fire insurance. Got my fire insurance policy. That's it, that's all there is. No, that's not. You are missing out on the vast, vast majority of what it means to walk as a Christian if all you have is a fire insurance policy, if all you have is, well, I'm not going to hell, but what about all the things that God wants you to know about Him, about life, His plans and His purposes? They're all right here. You just got to dig. You just got to find somebody like Paul. You got to stay teachable. You got to stay open. Hey, I don't know everything. I want to learn from somebody. I want to I find out about this thing. There was an old missionary couple that had served over 30 years primarily on the continent of Africa. And they were returning to New York City because they felt like at, at their age and their health, they could no longer 
serve as missionaries in Africa. So they were returning to New York City. They had no pension. Their health was declining. Their spirits were defeated and discouraged. And they discovered on the same ship that they were on, on that transatlantic ship, they discovered that President Teddy Roosevelt was a passenger on that ship. He was returning from one of his big game hunting expeditions and no one paid attention to the missionaries from Africa. But everybody paid attention to President Teddy Roosevelt. They, the missionaries watched all the fanfare and the president's honorage and all the passengers that tried to catch a glimpse of Teddy. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary husband said to his wife, something's wrong. Why should we have given our lives and faithful service for God in Africa after all these years and have no one care a thing about us or pay attention to us being on this ship? Here comes this man back from a hunting trip and everybody's making such a fuss over him. And his wife said, honey, you really shouldn't feel that way. He said, well, I can't help it. It just doesn't seem right. When the ship pulled in to dock in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. A marching band rolled out and played all the Hail to the chief and all the songs. The mayor was there. The dignitaries were there all applauding. And all of the newspaper reporters were there just waiting for Teddy Roosevelt to walk the gangway. Meanwhile, nobody noticed the missionaries who slipped off the ship and found a cheap motel on the east side of New York. That night, the man's spirit was very broken. He said to his wife, I can't take this anymore. Life has not treated us fairly. His wife said, honey, won't you go to the bedroom and tell the Lord that? He said, I will. And he went in the bedroom and he shut the door. And when he came out an hour later, his entire countenance had changed. She said, dear, what happened? He said, the Lord settled it with me. He said, I got very transparent before the Lord and I told him how bitter I was that the president would receive such a tremendous homecoming and the band coming out to welcome him and everybody cheering him when no one was there to meet us when we returned home. And when I had finished praying, it seemed as though the Lord had put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Just wait for your homecoming. Just wait. Sometimes life can beat you down. Sometimes life can make you ask why. Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? And it can get you to the point that, that you start becoming bitter instead of becoming better. And it can get you to the point where you're frustrated with life only to be reminded that this world is not my home. Where I am going is better than where I've been. Where you are going is better than any place you've been, but only if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, I pray for that person here today that doesn't know where they're going. I pray for that person that maybe... 
crosses their fingers or thinks that they're going to heaven but doesn't know for sure. You brought them here today for a reason and you want them to have the peace that surpasses all understanding. You want them to know where they will spend eternity. You want them to have that peace and that joy that comes from knowing I'm going to heaven not because of what I've done, not because of accomplishments, not because I went to church, not because I dropped something on the offering plate. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. When He died to forgive me of my past, present, and future sins, and when I asked Him to come into my heart and to be my Lord and Savior, He took me in as one of His. And because of that, I know that where I am going is better than where I've been. If there's someone here that can't say that or doesn't understand that, I pray they come down at the invitation and talk to me about how they can know that they know that they know. I pray for people here that are born again, that have settled that, but their joy meter's been a little low. They've allowed the frustrations of why this happened or why this didn't happen to really get them in the dumps. And you constantly remind us that we're not supposed to feel at home here because this world is not our home. Lord, I pray for that Christian that recognizes today that their joy is not where it's supposed to be, but maybe they don't know what the second step is. Admitting it is one step, but what do I do from here? Well, here's what you can do. When you recognize how awesome God is, when you see how He's in control, then even the hills that you climb, the valleys you walk through or crawl through, you'll understand that there's a sovereign God of the universe that has a plan and a purpose, even if you don't understand it. Help Christians to recognize that today and get back to the roots of our joy being Jesus-based, not circumstances. Pray for anyone here that's looking for a church to get plugged into, to join by baptism, by letter, whatever the need. This altar is open for those who want to pray. You can pray right there in your seat. Have your way, God, with these here today. Let us not waste this opportunity. Let there not be any distractions. God, help us to focus right here, right now on you and what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? You come.